You are listening to Analyze Asia with Bernard Leung, the podcast dedicated to interview thought leaders and industry players to understand and dissect the pulse of technology, media, and business in Asia. The show is sponsored by Ideal Workspace, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. You can visit their website, idealworkspace.com. Hi, Rama. Hi, Bernard. How are you? I'm well. How are things in Indonesia? Things are looking very, very good, actually. What have you Super been... Super excited. Okay. So, I know you a couple of years back. I think almost five years. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> I think the first time we met was Echelon Conference 2009. Yeah, that was a long time ago, man. Singapore. That, yeah, that was... Um, uh, uh, that was, of course, um, the most interesting conference. I think Copro was just acquired then. Yeah, and, that was hard. Yeah, and Indonesia then, was really on the map that you know those days. So. It is still on the map, right? Well, uh, I I hope so. <laughs> but of course, I I'm sure because there's a lot of capital and there's a lot of excitement in the startup scenes. I've been catching up with Daily Social almost every day on my feed. So why don't you hey. tell? Why don't you tell as a follower of your blog, although I have to do a lot of Google Translate with Bahasa sometimes. Right. Tell me about Daily Social. So actually, uh, Daily Social is a tech blog that focuses on, uh, you know, startup reviews, M&A investments, but we focus on Indonesian market only. Now we're actually, uh, I think for the past two weeks, we're starting to ramp up our English version. So you can, if you know, you don't speak Indonesian language, just go to en.dailysocial.net. And we try to keep it like if it's posted on the Indonesian side, uh, you know, today, then we'll try to get it up on the English side on the same day. So we've uh, we've been trying working very hard for that. And, uh, you know, again, interest from outside of Indonesia towards Indonesia, especially in the tech industry, I think has been growing quite fast, especially these days. So interesting times indeed. What? What have um, Daily Social evolved? I remember when we first met, it was almost, um, I think you built it from a one-man to maybe a three to four-man operation, right? And then subsequently, right. you received funding, and then you yeah, moved we, forward. Yeah. We uh, received funding from E27, the uh, Singapore tech blog, and also from B Dash Ventures in Japan. And now we've grown, we're now, I think, if I'm mistaken, I think we have 18 people now. So uh, I think... Team-wise, we're stronger than ever. We have some amazing people doing editorials, doing events, doing you know sales and marketing, uh, you know as well. So very very exciting times for Daily Social. Do you as have well conference? As, Do you organize conference? So far, we organize like smaller conference for like like a hundred people kind of conference, and so far we've done like local kind of meetups. So we're not really, you know, we did uh, a huge conference called Sparsup back in 2010, 2011, and 2012. But now we postpone it because, you know, there's too many events in Indonesia with the same concept. And we're still trying to figure out, like, like what what does, like, local entrepreneurs need? How can Sparsup help them as a, as a you know, as an entrepreneur? And uh, we're also helping like investors how they can meet like good startups to invest in. So we're still growing up uh, uh, an all new concept for 
for Sparks Up, and uh, hopefully we can start, uh, you know, again for Sparks Up next year. I do remember that a lot of people viewed Daily Social from the outside. We considered it as a hybrid between TechCrunch and GigaOM because you also provide research reports for investors outside about Indonesia, mainly yeah, media yeah, and yeah. tech. Yeah, and uh, you'll be seeing a lot more research coming from Daily Social. We uh, uh, we're wrapping up our we're actually adding more people, especially on our research division. So we'll be you know doing more and more research for uh, both public and both also for our clients as well. Do you see the coverage changing? Because I think in the early stages, you cover a lot about social media and a lot of startups. And I think mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, Indonesia has grown a lot given the yeah. investments and the interest and excitement from the outside world. Yeah, I think the uh, the market matured quite rapidly compared to like maybe two years ago. Back then, we reviewed lots and lots of, uh, you know, new startup launch. We reviewed them. And uh, now it's more like either investments, M&As, or, you know, like, like government regulation. Now that the industry is is uh, significantly bigger now the government's starting to like looking in and, and and see what they can do to you know participate in in some ways so i think the the market actually matures you know way higher so take me back maybe since we met in 2009 so you yeah. you gradually see do you, is there also a increase in terms of incubators and invest mm. investors i mean like there are more yeah. vcs because i noticed that you have a lot of japanese vcs that enter into the market yeah we have plan you know literally tons of, of of japanese investors coming into indonesia interesting point actually and uh, you know for incubators right i don't think it grew maybe like at all since 2012 we only have like probably like seven or eight in you know tech startup incubators now i don't think you know it adds anything but uh investment side it's actually quite uh growing mm -hmm. back then you know well, we only have you basically we only have these ventures right and they invest in a lot of uh, new startups in Indonesia and you know some of them failed some of them you know they exited some of them you know I don't know what they're doing these days but I think it's ventures back then they were alone in this in this sector now we have plenty we have uh, you know cyber agent ventures we have mountain sea ventures we have you know literally agree ventures all these Japanese companies or Singaporean companies Chinese investors as well and some from US actually now they start to, like coming back now that the we have a so-called like series a crunch now all the especially the u.s and european investors are coming in so with the investors coming in and you're still having a series a crunch so what why is that happening so i think the startup also matures a lot of people that has the founder of startup that are currently doing okay they actually started back in 2008 2009 for their first startup and then they failed and then they have to shut down like in 2010, 2011. Now they learned from their previous mistake, found a new company with obviously a better idea. Now they know how to do things, how to raise money, how to meet investors, how to get you know revenue and stuff like that. So I think a lot of companies are maturing in terms of business. They're actually a business. Back you know back then in 2010, 2011, just a group of people that built 
apps that seems fun <laughs> or you know it looks fun to build now it's like technology side they also think about uh, the the financial side the revenue side they actually thought of everything so that's why a lot of investors are you know putting a lot of money into, into these companies which is good and I think for the past one year seed investment are still going pretty well but I think there's a, a phenomenon that that you know, a lot of these startups that's probably one or two years old, already making money, raising money above half a million dollar. You know, obviously it was Series A, they already, you know, some of them actually profitable already. So it's always a good sign to see a tech company that is already profitable so for example, raising more which money. Which kind of tech companies are actually profitable? Because it's kind of sector driven, right? Definitely. Uh, E-commerce only the big ones I, I I don't know if I can mention it but some of the e-commerce site are actually profitable which is super rare in Indonesia but other sector probably like uh, we have some uh, a B2B enterprise cloud application or O2O companies marketplaces some of them are currently profitable can you name some good. interesting e-commerce companies which maybe our audience will want to know about Sure. Uh, I think one of the the most interesting e-commerce company in my view is currently Tees.co.id, T-E-E-S.co.id. They started out as a marketplace for t-shirts. Everyone can open up a shop on Tees.co.id, upload their own design, sell it, and get like 10% or 15% uh, design royalty for every t-shirt sold. Now they're actually expanding. Now they're not just selling T-shirts. They're also selling a uh, phone case, jackets, mugs, uh, notebooks, everything. So they're, they're currently the new strategy is to become like a, a marketplace for merchandise, which is, uh, I think, in Indonesia is a very new new concept. Even in 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 Southeast Asia, regionally speaking, I think they have quite a uh, strong advantage point. I'm not sure whether they uh, raise money or not, but. I know for sure, actually, there's a lot of investors that are interested in companies like that, and they're profitable. How about the first wave, like, for example, Tokopedia, which received a lot of Japanese investment? Yeah, they raised like four times. Every year, I expect news from Tokopedia about their latest fundraising. <laughs> and uh, I think Tokopedia is still going very, very strong. The latest round, I think they raised from, uh, you know, they raised like three times all from Japanese investors. So what does Tokopedia do then? Are they a marketplace? Are they still in the marketplace business? Yes, they are a marketplace business. And uh, one of the earlier, one of the biggest top three definitely in terms of uh, online marketplace in Indonesia. So and they're similar to Alibaba? They always position themselves as Indonesia's Alibaba, basically. So I think William, he, the CEO and founder, and, and also... Uh, uh, Leo, he's they're the good friends of mine, and I think they're very passionate about what they do. Investors see that Indonesia, given the size of the population, the middle class population, internet literacy, and also the potential, you know, say like four or five years from now, e-commerce is going to be huge. That's why they invest early in companies like Tokopedia run by passionate young people who knows what they're doing. So at least when the boom comes, the e-commerce boom comes in, in three, four, five years, Tokopedia will be on the top three or, you know, hopefully in the top two. Because there's a lot of competition from companies like Tokobagus, Berniaga, 
and uh, other players as well. There is also the Rocket Internet guys too with Zalora and Lazada as well. So e-commerce is actually heating up in terms of the space itself. It's now a matter of educating users. Now, I think more and more people, especially in the middle class, living in you know urban, urban cities, more and more of these people are exposed to online shopping. So I think it's some in terms of investment from e-commerce companies, they just need to educate people probably a year ago, right? Companies like Lazada, Bineka, Tokopedia, and all these companies, e-commerce companies, they always complain about, well, not complain, they, they observe that Indonesian culture from the consumer side, if, if they browse online and then when they are interested to buy, they would call the customer service, just do the order via phone. Obviously, that doesn't scale. And they invest, you know, all these companies invest lots and lots of money to educate that, you know, you can do it, you know, by yourself, you can, you know, fill the registration form, one click by, insert your credit card information, shipping. Now is the time for them to reap the result, basically. One of the rocket companies, I forgot which one, it's either Lazada or Zalora, exceeding like $1 million transaction value per day. So I think this, it, it shows a lot about how e-commerce companies should grow in Indonesia. To grow in Indonesia, you have to put lots and lots of effort in terms of marketing and education in order to reap the result. That's why companies like Rocket Internet with huge amount of money behind them. What about the digital media? I understand from you that you just wrote an article regarding the digital media companies in yeah. Indonesia. Well, you know, in the US, right, digital media is, is currently big. You know, we have websites like like BuzzFeed, Vox.com, Aussie.com, Quartz. In Indonesia, actually, about the same. A lot of new media companies are emerging, but I think it's triggered with a different reason. So the reason for the, uh, the, you know, the growth is actually you know, the uh, presidential election that happened in Indonesia a few months ago. And in that election, you know, I wrote, I wrote an article about this, Basically, the, the real winner from that presidential election is the online news sites. We have a few big ones like Compass, TheTick.com, OKZone, OK FIFA News, etc. The traffic, some of them actually like increased 50% in one month, which was in uh, July 2014. The election was, if I'm not mistaken, July 20th. During that time, the, the, the power of digital media was, was shown. You know, a lot of people see that digital media can actually influence people, shape people's opinion about a certain candidate and stuff like that. It's also indirectly also influenced by Facebook and Twitter because outside US, Indonesia is their next largest market for users, well, monthly yeah, active users, but, right? But, but Twitter and Facebook are one of the channel for marketing, basically. You can find all these articles via Facebook ads via Twitter ad. Once you click, you you get directed to their website. So it's it's only one of the uh, the channel for promotion, uh, basically. Oh, so it has evolved more than just using those social yes, social yes. media channels, basically. Exactly, exactly. Uh, one of the websites, Suara.com, which literally means voice voice.com. It launched five months ago. This new website from nothing. Now they're number 40 in Alexa for Indonesia, the top 40 in Indonesia. That's 
that's huge. You know, I, I try to observe their, their marketing strategy. Again, same as Rocket Internet. Tons and tons of marketing money at the beginning, burning, you know, burning money for Facebook ads, Twitter ads, and stuff like that. And that's just one. I, I can see, like, at least five more digital uh, news companies that emerge this year simply because of the election. And I think one of the reasons why is they now see that making money from advertising is one thing, but at least they know that the digital media, you can influence people. And this kind of you know, power can be used for political usage in the, the next presidential election, 2019. 2019 you know, if they can still survive, I'm pretty sure they're going to receive tons and tons of money, political usage. So what about the power of mobile? I mean, five years ago, BlackBerry is the king. Are they still king? Obviously not. Uh, now, Samsung is the king. Samsung is performing very, very well in Indonesia. Generally speaking, mobile is still huge. Most people still access the internet via smartphone and tablet. One thing that should be noted is the power of all these uh, low-end, in terms of price, right? All these Android smartphones that are available everywhere, not just on the big cities, but also the small cities. You know, I'm, I'm not going to use the term low-end because... Hardware-wise, they're just as, as powerful as, you know, a, a middle, you know, a, a mid-class Samsung, for example. You're talking about equivalent of what is called an Android One phone that's happening in India. Yeah. Something exactly. about the, what we yeah, call the hundred dollar yeah. smartphone now. Yeah, basically. yeah, 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 yeah. I just read about that today. Exactly like that. Mostly Chinese phone, and they they flooded the market with they they come with with. Some like Chinese brand, some of them are brought here by uh, a local partner, so they get rebranded. Now they have a local brand. And, uh, you know, these, these kind of phones are huge in areas outside of Jakarta, outside of the big city. Uh, I was in a, a road trip, uh, 12-hour driving from Jakarta to Jakarta last month. During that time, I, uh, you know, I went through all these uh, smaller cities, you know, cities that you wouldn't even believe, you know, oh, they have smartphones now. Apparently they have. And all the billboards on the big streets, on the major main streets are dominated by Mito, Evercost, T-Phone. Those are at least the top three biggest uh, low-end smartphones in Indonesia. And they are spending tons of money because people are actually buying those. But what about the traditional telecommunications company we call the telcos, basically? Have their business model evolve i mean in i think five years ago we talked about things like blackberry phones with bbms and free facebook twitter has their business model changed as well they try to adapt the whole ott you know over the top application that runs on their infrastructure basically it's a big debate in indonesia because telco doesn't get any cut of the revenue from companies like skype companies like Facebook, Google, YouTube, etc. Indonesia is currently, you know, we have this issue with, with some of the biggest telco in Indonesia. They uh, actually put intrusive ads. So whenever I, uh, I'm a subscriber for a 3G connection, and whenever I browse something on my mobile phone, before they, you know, give me the access to the page, they would interrupt and give me, like, like ads. And these aren't even good ads, showing, like, half-naked ladies and stuff like that. So people are outraged, consumer are angry because, you know, we pay for this kind of subscription, but why are you still like giving us ads that doesn't have to do with anything? You know, we have this whole petition actually 
from business owners, from online media companies, all the big ones, and uh, also from you know just generic website owners telling Telco that hey, you should stop intrusive ads, and it's a, it's a big campaign, and I think the uh, we even have like Indonesia Digital Content Association that is. Uh, working together with Indonesia's uh, e-commerce association to talk to these telco companies, basically saying that, hey, you should stop doing this. If you want to cut, let, let's discuss. But basically, these telco companies are stealing the uh, the ad money from all these websites. For example, if you open like Google.com right, or Google.co.id, they'll put an ad on top of the page, with the, which doesn't come from Google. It comes from the telco. Google doesn't, you know, Google doesn't put ads on their homepage. Neither does Facebook, but it's there anyway because the telco put it there. I think it's one of the desperate hail mary basically from the telco companies because you know obviously they're running out of options how to make money, and uh, this is one of the ways that actually makes money. How about? In terms of mobile apps, like what are the sort of the top mobile applications in Singapore? We have something like Carousel. Right. I think they're also in Indonesia as well. Yeah, yeah. And we have the equivalent of uh, what we call Grab Taxi, which right. is similar to Uber. What are the kind of mobile apps that are very, very interesting to you, but is really built for local use? And what makes them interesting? So uh, we have an equivalent of Carousel, which is called Shoop in Indonesia, which I think is, is quite interesting. The founder is uh, uh, some guy from, I think he was used to based in Surabaya, now he relocates to Jakarta. He got incubated uh, by an uh, uh, incubation program by Indosat, if I'm not mistaken. And I think the traction is going quite well. Mobile commerce is, is, is something that is definitely should be the focus for uh, a lot of e-commerce companies. You know, I talk to people from, from Lazada, all my friends there agree that, you know, they have a, a mobile application, right, for Lazada. Actually, it, it contributes quite well because it makes uh, a seamless experience for people to actually buy things. So I think Indonesia, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to take some time, but, you know, apps like Carousel, like, like, like shoot, definitely has a chance. And uh, if they could just, you know, wait for the market to be uh, educated enough, basically. And if I'm not mistaken, Shoop, uh, sorry, Carousel is actually expanding to Indonesia, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, there's definitely competition uh, in that space. So how about GrabTaxi and... GrabTaxi, I think, yeah, they're definitely here as well. Uh, local competition such as... Easy Taxi from from uh, Rocket Internet, Uber is here as well. The government is is still trying to, to find a way to ban them, and uh, well, I think one of the uh, uh, mobile app that I really want to highlight is Curio. And uh, Curio is basically a smart news reader for mobile uh, phones, and uh, a lot of people actually, uh, you know, compare them to Flipboard, but I personally see them more like Zeit. You know, they, they have this engine there. They read your behavior of, of reading news. What kind of news do you like? And uh, what time do you consume news? You know, all those kind of things. And they have this engine that learns that. And they find all these articles that they know, 
you know, at least most likely will be interested to the user, which is, I think, is a very interesting technology. And uh, they just have this whole grand launch two weeks ago announcing also that one of the founder of Copro joined them as VP of product. I think those two are, are you know, quite popular in Indonesia as well. And I think very, very promising. That's interesting. So what about the VC side? Which are the top VCs in Indonesia that you look up to? So for example, I mean, in Singapore, we have the Vertex Ventures, the Mount right. Hill Ventures, right. which right. we consider to be or Red, Red Dot Ventures and um, Golden Gate Ventures. These are sort of the main players. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, what's the equivalent in Indonesia then? It's Ventures, definitely. They've been operating in Indonesia. They've been investing tons of companies since the very beginning of yes, the Yes, they set up by the former CTO of Mixi, Batara yes, Ito. Bat- Batara Ito and, and also some Indo people that I think he's now based in Singapore, but he is, he is Indonesian. And uh, I think they're quite successful in terms of VC. They invest in companies like Urbanesia, Tokopedia, Disdus, which got acquired by uh, Groupon as well. So they get some really good exits as well. And they also have an accelerator program, right? Ventures Alpha or something like that. Yeah, they, they try, but I think they shut it down. And uh, again, incubation models is, is... In Indonesia, it cannot be the same as incubation model in, in Silicon Valley, like, you know, Y Combinator and stuff like that. That model just doesn't work. And uh, one of the reasons why I think it, it takes more than three months or six, even six months for, uh, you know, an Indonesian entrepreneur develop a company from zero to become, you know, at least ready to be out there on their own. It takes more than just a few months. What about language? Is uh, is language very important in Indonesia? I mean, if you are a Bahasa site, does it mean that you have better chance of growing larger? Well, it depends on your target market. I think if you're aiming for the middle class, you know, middle up class, English should be okay. It, you know, I talked to a few friends at at Google and Facebook, and uh, you know, they they I think they confirmed that in Indonesia. If you're talking about middle class, you know, people in the big cities using uh, middle class smartphone as well. Indonesian language doesn't, it's not a requirement. They understand very well, you know, at least basic English like like home, login, log out, you know, they already know. But if you're, you're, you're going after the more mainstream people, you know, in the rural area, then Bas Indonesia is, you know, preferable. Do you see any um, interesting local companies that you haven't seen anywhere else in Indonesia? Uh, yeah, a few actually. Uh, one of my favorite companies these days is a company called eFishery. eFishery is, is not as, as uh, glamorous as other tech companies. What they do is they build this, this hard piece of hardware where they, the users would put it on fish farms and they have the software that, that basically collects all the data from the fish farm, like, like water temperature, uh, fish appetite, and they can also like, like feed uh, the fish. You know, you can automate the process of feeding the fishes. Wow, that's like software is eating the world, eating into the fishing industry, which is yes. a large yes. industry and, and in Indonesia, which no one else do in other parts of the world. 
Yeah, and and actually they have competition in Thailand and Taiwan. But what they do differently is they as they actually gather all these data that that you know their competitors doesn't even collect, and and use that data and they sell it to their clients. Uh, you know, like you know, all these big corporations that actually you know like like companies like uh, Charun Pokpan. You know all these huge companies that are their clients and use the data you know for decision making, which is I think is is very very valuable and and so far none of you know no company in the world is doing that. How is the typical Indonesian user like? Do they use more desktops or now are they still very mobile centric? During office hour, like they they still quite. Active on desktop, be it in the office or at school and university and stuff like that. But during uh, you know times like early morning rush hour, lunch time, and then the afternoon rush hour until bedtime, I think those are the peak hours where people actually use their smartphone to you know to access the you know Facebook, the emails and and apps like Path, which is Quite popular in Asia as well, so I think the market is, I think, still dominant. You know, generally speaking, it's still dominant with smartphones. So it's more Android now. What's the percentage like? For example, let's say if we take iOS, Android, and say BlackBerry, what's the, what is the composition like? I don't have the exact number for market share, but if I can do a guesstimate, probably like. Sixty percent is Android now. Wow, Android is pretty huge because you know you can buy an Android phone from you know fifty dollars until like eight hundred dollars. Uh. Everything is available from any type of of market. They have an Android available, so uh, you know it's it's really not that surprising that, that Android is huge in Indonesia. Not surprising. Yeah. How about BlackBerry then? BlackBerry, there are some local uh, loyal users, but the growth has has hasn't been as strong. It's like two years ago. So it's somewhere around hovering about ten twenty percent. Oh, I think it's way less than that. Oh, Probably it's like, gone even further down. Yeah, people move from from Android in uh, from BlackBerry to Android. So okay, but what about iOS retaining that top ten percent? Right, no iOS. The last, okay. I think, again, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I heard there's three million iOS. Uh, that's iOS, so that includes the iPhone and the uh, the iPads. Three uh, million iOS users in Indonesia, which is, you know, it's quite s- small. That's very little. That's less than point one percent, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because you have something like two hundred over million users. Yeah, you know, but you know, they don't have like. Uh, a contract, a model like in the U.S. And here you have to buy it outright, like seven hundred, six hundred, seven hundred bucks, which is pretty up there even for for Indonesians upper class standard. So you're gonna you see that the e-commerce is going to be the next big thing in the next one year plus. It is currently the big thing in Indonesia, and I think it's gonna stay that way. Until probably two three years now, because it, a lot of investors are pouring money to e-commerce companies, and uh, you know you can see why because it's 
uh, it's e-commerce. You know, you actually make money from from day one. You don't have to be profitable, but at least you have that cash flow going. I see this happening in India now, where you're starting to see the evolution of very interesting big companies like Flipkart. I think you heard yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah. Their one billion yes. investment. Amazon. Yeah. Yes. Do you see any of your the current set of internet companies becoming the equivalent of um the bad companies in China, which is Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent mm. kind of companies in Indonesia or? They may have the potential to do that. Eventually, that's going to be the real because you have the population, which is which right. will give it economies of scale. Tokopedia is one of them, but I other than Tokopedia, I don't see anyone else. To be very honest, so they will evolve towards becoming that big giant, basically. Tokopedia is definitely going to be a, a big force in the Indonesia's internet industry in a few years, lah. I have no doubt, but. You know, there's there are a few companies, there are a few entrepreneurs that are you know going on that direction. You know, they want to be like, you know, Indonesia's Taobao, Indonesia's Baidu, and stuff like that. But it's still a long way to go. And and even though they have the vision, you know, not necessarily they're gonna be even like halfway there. Halfway there is very good, but I don't think it's anywhere near. I think I, in two years I can see a, a better view on on which one's gonna be the next big thing. I'm probably going to end with a very interesting final question. I know most of the startup activity currently centralized within Jakarta, which mm-hmm. is about I think uh, the population size of Jakarta is about twenty two million, if I'm not wrong. But you may be correcting me on the numbers. Greater Jakarta. Yeah, Greater Jakarta is much more, right? No, no, Greater Jakarta is around 22 Okay, so Greater Jakarta is 22 million. Yeah. Do you, other than Jakarta, where are the other cities that are going to grow? I know Bali has a very interesting tech ecosystem there. Do you see other areas like Bandung? I I, I used to recall you tell me that the best engineers come from Bandung. You know, Bandung, Yogyakarta, and Malang, those are three of my favorite cities outside of Jakarta in terms of uh, tech industry. Bali is... I, you know, I have to disagree with you know, with Bali. Most of them are there for, you know, getting drunk parties, and most of them are expats anyway. Okay, but, that's interesting but, to hear because <laughs> you know this is this is good because you see that's why I need the local guy to tell me which is <laughs> yeah. the good guy, which are the good places to. Trust be. me, you don't want to go to Bali and work. <laughs> that's like the worst thing to do in Bali. That's not what what Bali exists for, and uh, you know. Bandung, Yogyakarta, and Malang is one of my, you know, three of my favorite cities. Okay. Tons of developers, highly creative, and it's basically driven by uh, university students. Bandung, the Bandung Institute of Technology, in Yogyakarta they have uh, Gajah Mada University. In Malang they have like, uh, you know, smaller uh, universities, Polytechnic Negeri Malang, which is quite, you know, uh, productive in in in. You know, graduating awesome programmers uh, as well, and uh, you know other cities like Surabaya, Semarang, they do have potential, but now I think not so much. I heard from Christine, my last guest from the last episode, she told me that Indonesia has a, have a lot of good designers. Where do I find them? Uh, those three cities actually have you know plenty of designers as well. 
But you know, I've been hearing from people that uh, Sumatra and Sulawesi also have you know a bunch of good designers, like basically. But again, the it's still concentrated in Java Island, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not necessarily a good thing. But I think the government is trying really hard to distribute or at least to find all these good entrepreneurs, good freelancers, programmers, designers from outside of Java Island. Mm-hmm. So, wow, we just covered almost the big geography of Indonesia. Obviously, I would have to get you to come by another time to tell me more about the different ecosystems. So maybe you can help me to tell my audience where can we find you? Sure, you can uh, find me on Twitter. My username is Rampok, R-A-M-P-O-K. Or you can just, you know, feel free to email me, rama at dailysocial.net. I'm I'm pretty uh, freaky about email, so I'll try to reply as soon as possible and your website is dailysocial.net yeah Uh, if you don't speak indonesian go to en.dailysocial.net we have a weekly uh newsletter we call dispatch uh publish every monday you know if you don't have to visit the website every single day just sign up for the newsletter and every monday you'll get a sense of what's happening what's hot in indonesia definitely have to get you back on the show on uh, what that's yeah, for it. and you can definitely find me at bernardleong.com or at bleongcw. We have the Analyze Asia. It's Analyze with an S E dot Asia or at Analyze Asia. You can also send us your feedback through the different channels, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We really want to hear feedback, and we want to bring as much as the different ecosystem. So Rama, thanks a lot for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you again.